Someone take that drop. Not gonna happen. Why not? Because untrained boys don't step in the ring with Mike Tyson, that's why. I can handle it. You don't just do it. Buddy, I've been surfing that break for 20 years. You have any idea how much strength and know-how you need to survive a break like that? Trust me, I'm getting stronger by the day. I'll hold my own. Stronger by the day, yeah. huh? Give me a hand. Yeah. No, resist me. Okay. Is that it? Is that it? Ow, 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 ow. Okay. You ain't strong enough. Right now I'm surfing every single day, right? So if Shut I up, had... all right? Now, I know how good you are. I've seen you out there. You surf circles around those other kids. But those are normal waves. Surfing normal waves is about how you perform when everything goes right. A big wave surfing, it's a different ball game. It's about how you perform when everything goes wrong. One bump off the face of that wave, and you're hitting the water like concrete at 50 miles an hour. And you got a thousand tons of water coming down on top of you. It's knocking you senseless, ripping you apart, and pushing you down to a place that is so deep and so dark. You don't want to be there. So why do it? Come on, get out of here. I got work to do. Train me then. Train me to ride it. Did you hear what I said? Go on, get! You don't get it, do you? of sons, Frosty, you know? Some are born to you, and some just occur to you. Jay's looked up to you his entire life. I mean, can't you see how much he needs you? you? You want me to teach him to surf that wave? He's he's a kid. You made me promise I wouldn't even surf. Yeah, and you break that promise every chance you get. You think I don't know where you were this morning? I heard the message on the machine, 25 at 16. I mean, come on. All right, you know what? I don't know where you're going. That boy's gonna surf that wave anyway. You know that, right? Even if he dies trying? I mean, wouldn't you? Back in uh, 1993, there, uh, these waves, these huge waves were called mavericks, and they were a myth. People thought they were like the Loch Ness Monster, didn't really uh, believe that they existed. There was a group of surfers, though, that had discovered it, and uh, this whole movie was based on a true story. Jay Moriarty became one of the most accomplished surfers at a very young age. At age 12, he won his first um, shortboard competition, and if you know anything about surfing, shortboard people and longboard people don't usually uh, mix because the shortboards do all the small uh, waves that are close to shore. The longboard people do the massive waves. Well, he was one of those few people that could cross over between both worlds, and he became famous um, for surfing Mavericks. Well, we're picking up the story when, when he just now saw the first massive wave. He'd heard all kinds of uh, reports about it, but he'd never seen one until today. And then this, this guy in the movie, his name is Frosty. This was actually a surfer who took uh, Jay under his wing and taught him how to surf the massive waves. Now, Jay didn't know it, but his life went down this pathway 
um, these phases of growth that parallel to the Christian life. God always uses this pathway, how he grows you. He always uses six phases of faith, or he, uh, I think I put on your listening guide, how God grows you. So let's look at these six things and let's see how they parallel with Jay's life. Phase one is God gives you a dream. Every great accomplishment first begins as a God-given dream in someone's mind. Uh, I want you to look at Ephesians 3.20. This is one of my favorite verses. Um, This is out of the Living Bible Translation. It says, God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. So the first phase is God gives you this dream. The dream is going to be bigger than you. It's going to be more difficult than you can handle. The the difficulties uh, are going to weigh on you. It's going to be harder. It's going to be more more fulfilling, everything. So God gives you an idea, this ambition, this goal. Now, if you uh, know about Abraham, Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. At age 75, God gave Abraham a dream. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. But the dream is just the starting part. Phase two is a decision. A dream is worthless until you decide to do something about it. For every 10 dreamers, there's only one decision maker. How many, how many disciples got to walk on water? One out of 12, right. So lots of people dream big, very few people follow it. This is the moment of truth where you have to decide, I'm going to invest my time, my talents, my energy in something that is worthwhile. I'm going to let go of security. Every dream of God has a risk to it. Um, I remember 11 years ago, Janie and I were without a job, um, and, and we were in between churches, and we had thought we were going one direction, and God brought us to another direction, and we were at this huge crossing point. We were sitting out at Lower Lake, and we had our little prayer journal out, and we were kind of crying and praying together, saying, what do we do? We believe that God has left us here in Palestine, but, but we're, we don't have a church. And so we kind of looked at our prayer journal, and, and there were all these things we were praying about if we were supposed to start a church, because people have been telling us we were supposed to start a church, supposed to start a church. And so we, uh, we prayed there that night, and Janie looked that means she said, 20 years from now, I don't want to look back and think, what if? And so this church, New Life Community Church, started at Lower Lake with a prayer uh, time between Janie and me, and we had all kinds of risk. And Janie didn't tell me until two or three years into it. She said her biggest fear was no paycheck. And, and we realized that fear several times during the first few months. And uh, God always proved himself faithful. Now, You have to take a step of faith if you're ever going to reach the dream that God gives you. Abraham had to leave his existing homeland, and God says, I want you to go to a land that you've never seen, you've never been there, you've never even heard of this land, and Abraham has to make the decision. Am I going to go for God's dream for my life, or am I going to go for my dream for my life? And so you have to make that decision too. Now, in our movie, Jay decides that he's going to go for it. Now, his, his uh, friend, Frosty, Frosty decides that he's going to make life hard on him because he actually thinks that, that the kid's not ready to, to surf these waves. So he has him write all of these essays. He has to do different things where he has to study waves and he has to turn them in. He gets graded. And you're going to see various things that Frosty made him do. All of this was true before he would ever let him surf these maverick waves. And so he's going to give him a challenge. He says he wants him to get stronger in the four pillars of life 
life. This is a big deal because they're going to come back to this at the end of the movie. The four pillars are physically he had to be strong enough to row, th- uh, to paddle himself on a longboard 36 miles. He wouldn't let him do it until he could cross the bay. You'll see that in a minute. Um, he wanted him to get stronger mentally. That's why he had to write all of these papers. He had to observe. He had to figure out what uh, the best way to surf these waves was emotionally, spiritually. And Frosty even says in the movie, he said, man, I'm kind of clueless about this spiritual thing, but it's a pillar. I thought that was kind of funny. And so he's trying to train him to get ready for these waves. Check this out. I read your essay. What do you think? I think that's what I expected from you all along. You done good, Chief. Now the line sleeps. The wave's gonna break behind us where the reef falls from about 40 feet to about 1,500 feet. Here's what you want to avoid. Firstly, see those rocks over there? Call that the boneyard. Whatever you do, do not let the current push you in there. It'll smash you to pieces. So what do you say? What you gotta do is triangulate. And you draw a line between yourself and that dish and that mushroom rock over there. Biggest treachery of all lies underneath. Most waves break on reefs less than 20 feet beneath the surface. Depth is double that here. Meaning when it's firing, you got twice the water mass, twice the wave energy, and twice the likelihood of drowning. I sure that scared the living piss out of you, but that wasn't the question I asked. Why'd you panic? Fear, I guess. One thing you gotta know, fear and panic are two separate emotions. Fear is healthy, panic's deadly. Because when this place is firing, and I'm talking about 30, 40 foot waves, it's all about fear. If you panic out there like you just did, you die. If you're scared to death, how do you not panic? By identifying the fear and what it is you're afraid of. Not just out there, but in life. Welcome to your next essay. So it, it would be very helpful if all of us had somebody like a Frosty in our lives to help us go through things and analyze things and go beneath the surface and try to figure out what's going on. Um, now, in... in in uh, Jay's life, he's about to come to phase three of, of this uh, growth from dream all the way to the end. And, and phase three is delay. 
How many of you have ever had a dream that was never realized? Do you still have that dream, or did you just kind of cast it aside? Some of you still have that dream, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, but there's always a a time lapse between your dream and the actual reality of your dream. And what God is doing is he's using this time to grow you, to help prepare you for the future. Remember, a delay is not denial, and maturity is knowing the difference between a no and a not yet. Because to a child, a no and a not yet is the same thing, right? I mean, your, your mom, when you were a kid, can we go get an ice cream? Not yet. That's no, right? And maturity is knowing the difference between a no and a not yet. When God gives you an idea of what he wants to do with your life, and when he actually fulfills it, there's this huge time gap between the beginning and the end because God's doing some stuff. Now, 11 years after God told Abraham he was going to have a baby, did he have a baby? So Abraham's 86 years old by this time. In those 11 years, what's been going on? From the human perspective, nothing has been going on. But in the spiritual realm, all kinds of preparation has been going on to prepare him and the world for what was going to happen next. And so um, he's waiting on God. He's tempted to, uh, to get, take a detour. Did, did Abraham take a detour? Yeah, very shortly after that, he said, well, God didn't provide me a child through my wife. She's barren, so he was going to take the slave woman and have a child through her, and um, his name was Ishmael, and today the Jews are still uh, suffering the consequences of that choice thousands of years ago when he took matters into his own hands. And he actually asked God, "Can, can this one be my heir? And God says, no, I told you that I'm going to give you a child through Sarah, your wife. Um, so he took this detour and he suffered all these consequences, but he didn't have to. And you and I don't have to suffer the consequences either if we'll just realize how God works in our life. Habakkuk 2.3 says this, These things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Now, Jay doesn't realize it, but the delay is actually uh, the easy part. He's about to go into the toughest couple of phases, and and he's lucky that he has someone to go through it with him. Um, All of these requirements that that Frosty put on him actually enable him to survive later, uh, because when Jay became famous... Was he was the first person to be to have his photographs taken of the most spectacular wipeout off of a maverick wave in history, and so he actually made the front of Surfer magazine, and he became world famous because of a crash. Pretty cool deal, and you'll see some of that in just a minute. So working through this next phase actually helps prepare him for the end when his dream is realized. Watch this video.
All I know, Frost, is what you told me. If you look hard enough, there's always a way through it. What if I don't have the strength, Jay? Which pillow do I lean on that? The fifth one. Which one is that? It's me. Come on. It's enough of this. Come on. It's time to go. Hey, Jay. You're going the wrong way. I felt the back eddy, Frost. We're more than halfway across the bay, close to what's in front of us and what's behind. Paddle, Frosty. Frosty's wife had died, and uh, she was all that he ever knew, and he was, he was despairing, and he's lucky that he had somebody in his life, because this is the fourth phase that God takes you through, and it's difficulty. And there's two types of difficulty that you will face, critics and circumstances. Frosty was going through some tough uh, circumstances, Jay had some tough critics, and it was kind of interesting, as I was reading about Jay's life, they said that he was such a positive guy that eventually he would win even his, his harshest critics over because he was so humble, you'd never know that he was this world-famous surfer that traveled all over the world and, and taught uh, people how to surf. Now, whenever you face difficulty, realize that this is part of God's plan. Look at 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. At the present, you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. Um, what is that word before harassed? Temporarily. Now, you may think that it's a permanent harassment, but how many of you are going to live on this earth forever? Any of you not ever going to die? You're going to live here forever. Anyone? Anyone? No? So then you have temporary problems, is what, what uh, Peter is saying. Harassed by all kinds of troubles temporarily. This is no accident. It happens to prove your faith, which is infinitely more valuable than gold. God says precious stones, uh, precious gems, all of these things are nothing compared to your faith. And God allows you to go through difficult times to test and refine your faith. In fact, a faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Do you know why we uh, have the book of Job in the Old Testament? Have you ever read Job? Job's got this really cool start, and then it's got this real long-winded thing where all of his friends are telling him he's a sinner and that he needs to just confess his sin. I mean, it gets old reading the middle part, and then at the end, you know, Job's saying, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. They're going, come on, man, just say that you're guilty. We know you're guilty. God knows you're guilty. Just say you're guilty. At the end, God comes down, and, and he, says, he says, Job, you said you wanted to question me some things. I'm going to ask you some things. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And Job said, I, I, I don't know. He said, when, whenever I created the Leviathan, which is a, a rather large animal, and he said, whenever I created that animal, where were you? When I spoke this into existence, where were you? And Job's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. He says, if you can't answer me, then I'm not going to answer you. And God gives this great um, demonstration of his power. And then he says to Job's friends, you guys are in trouble because you're wrong. But I'm going to ask my servant Job to pray for you. And when he does, I'm going to forgive you. And so God gave us this whole thing of Job's life to show us that, that 
Sometimes we have to be tested before we can be trusted. In fact, I think every Christ follower does. God's not going to give you big things if he can't trust you with small things. So all those little things that you're going through, they're tests of your faith. Um, So you're going to go through difficult times, and it's not an accident. God lets you um, wait for a while, and while he lets you wait, he lets you go through problems. That's a lot of fun, isn't it? So you're going to go from bad to really bad to probably worse. And notice that at age 99, Abraham still doesn't have a baby. When was he first given the promise? At age what? 75. 24 years later, he still doesn't have a baby. And the scripture says, uh, he asks, how can a son be born to a man my age? What's worse is God changes Abraham's name. He started off as Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Now, can you imagine going into JJ's or Box Cardelli or something down here, and, and you know, you're just making casual conversation, and someone says, what's your name? And you go, father of many nations. And they're like, well, how many children do you have? None. <laughs> That's kind of this cruel, embarrassing thing. It's a test of his faith. But eventually, God fulfills the dream at age 100, and his wife is 90 when God finally gives them the, the child of promise. And, and they named Isaac, you remember? What, was, what does Isaac mean? Laughter. And, and we know that um, because they laughed at the thought. Sarah's 90 years old, and, and we know she didn't believe God when God said you're pregnant because if she to believe God said that she was pregnant when she was 90, she wouldn't have laughed. She would have cried. Right, ladies? Uh-huh. Having, having a baby is a young woman's game, right? But she laughed, and they named Isaac laughter to remind them that God has a sense of humor and that he did a miracle thing in their lives when everybody thought that nothing like that was possible. Now, I'm going to tell you about some myths about difficulties. Let's run through these really quickly. People believe these things, and these are all myths about difficulties. Number one, difficulties never come from God. Many people think that the devil or evil people or karma or is getting the best of them when life goes south, but that's never the case with God's children. If you're a child of God, everything that happens to you is father-filtered, meaning it can't come and happen to you unless God allows it to happen to you, and it's for your good. So even though God is not always the direct cause of our problems, he still allows them to happen for our long-term benefit. So don't buy the lie that difficulties only come from the evil ones. Sometimes God allows, well, all the time, God allows those difficulties to come into our lives. Number two, difficulties show that God doesn't love us. This is that same objection a lot of people give. They say, how can a good God allow pain and suffering and evil in the world? How could he allow this? Even the disciples fell into this one. Because you remember when one time they were in the boat, Jesus says, let's get into the boat and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so they get in the boat and Jesus falls asleep and the storm comes up and they start freaking out. These are fishermen. I mean, I just, I can, I can see the, the thing. And they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Let's wake Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. Do you think Jesus cared? Of course he cared. But he was asleep. Because he wasn't worried. What did Jesus say at the beginning? He said, we're going to go to the other side. When Jesus got up and he calms the storm, what happens? They go to the other side. So Jesus knew that, that although the storms were raging, the storms weren't the whole picture. He knew that they were going to get to the other side. Don't you care if we drown? Yes, he cares. Number three, difficulties will wreck our lives. We think that that a difficult time is going to destroy us. But I tell people all the time, I, when I visit folks in jail, when, when I talk to people, um, whether it's um, a broken marriage or whatever, I talk to people, I say, your failures do not have to define you. 
Most of the time, we are the ones tied to our failures in the past, not the people who love us. The people who love us are wanting us to have this bright future. God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. God wants your future to be better, and he's so big, he can turn all of your difficulties from your past into your most beneficial ministry, if you'll let him. And so I'm amazed whenever people stand up and they talk and they they share their testimony, and you see all this bad stuff that happened, there's always a, but God. But God was doing this, but God was doing this. God had this person in my life. They they intersected my path, and they told me about Christ, and God did something, and now I want to help others who are following behind me. So your past does not have to define you. Your past will actually give you a contact point with somebody going through the same thing, and you'll be able to lead them into the kingdom of God if you're obedient to following after him. Number four, difficulties require desperate measures. You remember how, how quickly the sea calmed whenever Jesus stood up and said, peace be still? Did it take a while? No, it was instant. Have you ever been out in, in, after a storm on a lake? The waves, it takes a while, right? Not when Jesus speaks. Jesus speaks, it's instant. It's just perfectly glassy. I love that. I've been out fishing or skiing. That's one of my favorite times to be on a boat is when it's just glassy water. And I always think about when when the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. And I think the disciples remembered that. You don't have to be desperate during difficult times. Number five, difficulties can thwart God's plan. Nothing, according to Scripture, can separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or trial or peril or swords, life or death, angels, demons, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing can can thwart God's plan. Well, we go through difficulties and then we get to the most difficult phase of all. It's dead end. Where the dream dies. God allows your dream to seemingly die. And if you'll remember the life of Abraham... Abraham has his child when he's 100. They name him Laughter. Everybody laughs. And then a few years later, God says, I want you to sacrifice your child to me. And Abraham's got to be thinking, what? I waited 100 years to have a kid, and now you want to take him from me? Is this a joke? What kind of God is this? He's asking me to sacrifice the very child that that I waited so long for. Well, how do you know when you're at a dead end? What you feel hopeless. Some of you are at a dead end in your marriage right now. Some of you are in a dead end in getting married. And I'm not saying that lightly at all. You're thinking that you're not ever going to get married. And, and I'm just telling you that, that if God has that person for you, he needs you to be the person that they need you to be before he's going to introduce you to that person. Some of you are at a dead end when you look at your budget, when you look at your career, when you look at your friendships, your relationships. Some of you are at a physical dead end and your health is falling apart. When you're at this stage and you begin to doubt God's wisdom and love and you say, why is this happening to me? It's out of of control. Guess what? You're exactly where God wants you to be. Because then you're no longer full of yourself. You're empty. And God wants to fill empty vessels. Trust God at this time. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. At that time, we were completely overwhelmed. In fact, we told ourselves that this was the end. So Paul, the most famous um, writer of New Testament, he wrote half of the New Testament. He says, we thought we were dead. 
Yet we now believe we had this sense of impending disaster so that we might learn to trust not in ourselves, but in God who can raise the dead. And, and here's the thing I want you to, to realize. When, when Abraham began, to, he offered Isaac. He raises up the knife to sacrifice him. And God says, stop. Now I know you won't even hold, withhold your son from me. And he provides a ram. And that's a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world for all of us. God allows it to seemingly die sometimes to test us to see if we're really going to trust him at that time. And your dream only dies if you stay down, if you, if you let it go. Now, we're going to watch this part where, where Jay actually goes out and he surfs his big maverick, and you're going to see him waste... Uh, no, you don't see him. Sorry, I didn't show you that clip. The, he becomes famous for this one clip where he's coming off the top. It is the most spectacular thing you've ever seen. You ought to go look it up. He gets to finally do his wave, and in the midst of it, you're going to hear um, a letter that he composed to Frosty. Listen to the things that he learned along the way that prepared him to ride the Mavericks. I know what you're going to say, but don't. That wasn't a deal. Remember? No questions, no argument. I just wanted to tell you something I should have told you long ago. Which is, it doesn't matter. Whether you decide to paddle out or take that drop. I love you no matter what. Frost. Dear Frosty, truth is that I am afraid. I'm afraid I'll never see my dad again and that my mom will never find happiness. I'm afraid of losing Kim, that she's the love of my life. And of course, I'm afraid of losing you. I'm not sure what you think fathers are supposed to be, but now I know what they should be. I finally read my dad's letter, which was like my last essay to you. Just a bunch of words on a page. This one's all you, Charger. I know this sounds strange, but I've always felt like I wouldn't be around for very long. Which is why I want to take that drop. Because once I look down over the edge and I catch it, I'll become a part of it. And in that moment, I'll know that I'm alive.
Jay became famous that day, not for writing giants, but for the courage of a boy who dared the impossible. Over the years, he rose to the peak of the surfing world, his prowess matched only by his joy. The true prince amid the sport of kings, he married his childhood sweetheart and swore himself true. Some of you are wondering if God's ever going to deliver you. That's the last phase, is deliverance. The greater the dead end, the more hopeless the situation, the more spectacular God's deliverance will be. And, and he does it that way so that everybody knows you couldn't do it. It was something that only God could do. Everybody in this room, God's going to take you through these six phases. Dream, to decision, to delay, to difficulty, to dead end, to deliverance. Then he'll do it again, and he's going to do it again, and he's going to do it again to keep you growing in your faith. Every one of you is at one of these stages right now, and I want you to think about which stage you're at, because I'm going to ask you to write that on your uh, registration card here in a minute. Every one of you is at one of these stages. Some of you are just now getting an idea. Talked to Chad a little bit this morning, and, and, or last night, and God's been working in Chad and what he's doing there. I talked to Timmy this last week, and he said, man, God's doing some stuff, and God's showing me some things. And God is beginning to birth a dream in some of you, because this is going to be a place. My dream is that new life is this place where everybody has a place that they fit, whether you're good at, whether you're a mechanic, you can, you can work on cars for the glory of God. Whether you work in the oil field, you can do that for the glory of God. What, whatever it is that God made you to do, you should be doing in the church if you're good at it. And we begin to um, draw people here. Um, and I shared this with the guys, and I'm just going to share this with you real quickly. Um, when we had our men's study last time, that, that I went to a church one time, and they talked about having um, a cars ministry for single moms. And some guys that were mechanics just got together, and they started working for free for single moms. Where do you think single moms go to church in that city? And there were hairdressers, and they started doing hair for free for single moms. Where, where, do, the, where do the single moms go to church? in that city. If we all can discover something that God equipped us to do, and we do that in the service of his kingdom, you can't build a building large enough to hold the people who will come. So God's got something in store for every one of you. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have started this place 11 years ago before most of y'all had even heard of what a new life was. We didn't know. But we're not done. We believe that there's somebody in your world who is lost and is going to hell. And unless you pay attention and ask God to give you favor in their lives, they're going to miss heaven. And I'm going to tell you, there is no high... Uh, the, the sad thing about Jay's life is he, he was one of those adrenaline junkies, you know, he just loved the speed and... and he said in, in one of the clips, he said, I always, that last one, he said, I always thought I wasn't going to be here long. Well, he wasn't. He died at 22. He was uh, doing a free dive in the, is it, you say it, Maldives? The Maldive Islands? Maldives? He was sitting on the bottom 80 feet below the surface, and, and he was just, you know, he, he, was, he was having a good time, and, and his wife said, um, all she can figure is, because he had a buoy, he had the rope, he'd gone down there, he'd done this type of stuff before. He was a lifeguard, um, he was trained to, to rescue people, he was a rescue swimmer. Somehow, on his way back to the surface, he must have had a shallow uh, water pass out. He, he just blacked out. And he died at 22. And so they have this, she started this whole uh, foundation, Live Like Jay. 
And, and you know, they, she's trying to honor his name. And everybody said he lived with such joy and such passion. I just think that, that riding big waves and sitting on the bottom of the ocean, I think there's more that I'd rather do with my life. And I'm not making fun of Jay at all. I'm just saying that's, that was what he did. I think God has a greater purpose for you. And there's no greater feeling than when you get to be involved in leading someone into the kingdom of God. There's no high like that. It never gets old. And when I start talking to men and I see men get it and that little light bulb comes on, Joe and I have talked about this, the light bulb comes on and they get what it means to follow Christ. You heard Seth's testimony a few weeks ago when he was baptized where he figured out what was going on and he wants to live for Christ. There's nothing like it. And that's the type of church that I dream of being a part of. And I think most of you do too. Would you bow your heads for just a minute? I want you to, to pray this prayer, if you, if you dare. It's on your listening guide, and I think we've got it on the... Do I have it on one of the slides? God, you know how long I've been praying to make blank happen. You fill in the blank. Sometimes I get so discouraged and feel my efforts are getting nowhere. Work within me so that I can turn the results of this over to you and feel content that I've done what I can on your behalf. And just release it to him. Father, would you help us to see your plan for our lives, dream God-sized dreams, rely on God-sized power so that someday we will see God-sized results. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.